My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said, There was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, Render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling. But eventually he thought, while it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones? who call out to him day and night. Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Not to give you a spoiler alert, but most graduation speeches are really not memorable. Usually the graduates don't even know the person who has been invited to address them. The families are not usually paying much attention. They're more looking to see where their kid is and try to take more pictures of them. It's hard in that setting to get people's attention and to say something that's going to even be remembered moments after they're done speaking. But this past May at Morehouse College, the graduates not only will never forget the man who addressed them, a man by the name of Robert Smith, but it's doubtful they'll ever forget what he said to them. Smith is a technology investor, and he put aside his prepared remarks and told the class that for every one of them, he was going to pay off all their student loans. Yeah, that gets your attention, right? The estimated total of the gift amounted to over $40 million. So you can imagine how it shocked and amazed that entire gathering. Already it was a celebration, but now the joy was multiplied knowing that each and every one of these graduates was leaving college not just with a degree in hand, but completely debt-free. In that gesture, that incredibly generous gift changed the lives of the graduates, their families, even the school itself. Mr. Smith did have one request, though. He asked the graduates to do something with this gift, and that was to pay it forward. He said, find some way to take advantage of this this new financial freedom and somehow help someone else. But the reality is that's a choice for every one of them to make. No one's observing them or determining whether they did it or not. The hundreds of graduates will have to decide what happens next. Will this just be one of the most incredible days for the schools, one of the greatest graduations ever? Or will the graduates utilize this selfless, generous gift and find ways to write an even more terrific chapter to a terrific story? 
That's something that Jesus is asking his followers in this gospel today. Not with a financial gift, but something far more precious. Something that has eternal implications. And that's the gift of faith that's been selflessly and generously given to each of us and trusted to us to share and to nurture. Because, granted, the gospel finds Jesus' words sounding a little bit more stark and a little bit heavy as he asks, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It was a question, it was a challenge to his listeners, then and now, will we pray always without becoming weary when we encounter setbacks? when we're discouraged in our daily lives, when we encounter evil, even within the church that Jesus himself founded, will we still believe, still trust, still have faith that Jesus has not abandoned us, that he walks with us, that he has answered and still answers our prayers? Recognizing that Faith in him, which we've heard over the last few weeks in the gospel, has the power to uproot mulberry trees and cure lepers. That same faith can and does amazing things both here and now, ultimately to bring us into eternity with him. Just a few stories this past week could fuel a kind of negative response to Jesus' question. First, there were polls citing how in the United States in the past decade, there's been a decline of 12% of people in the population saying that they're Christian. And the number of people claiming no religious affiliation at all rising to 9%. And then there was a, a new victim of the ex-Archbishop of Newark, where we find ourselves right here in this Archdiocese of Newark. The disgraced and dismissed from the priesthood, Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, who gave his testimony of sexual abuse and predatory behavior and manipulation that he suffered at McCarrick's hands. It's a horrifically sad reminder of so many dark shadows in the church that have contributed to an eclipse in people's belief in our country. How we've been distracted from our mission and how people's confidence in the church has been undermined. It's understandable that some wonder how the church squanders this gift of faith that Jesus has entrusted to us. And that's not even taking into account all the, the personal struggles and setbacks that people face. Uh, a loved one gets terrible news from the doctor. Someone we care about is taken from us far too soon. Things aren't going well at home or at work or at school. And more than likely, most of us are, are surrounded by voices that discourage and depress your faith. Family and friends who stop going to Mass at all. People in the public arena getting bolder and more aggressive about belittling and attacking our beliefs with almost little to no pushback. I'm not even going to add about being a Yankee fan today, how sad and depressing that is, too. It's easy, it's understandable that all of these things and more can do a number on us and undermine even the most devout and strongest of believers. And that's why that parable that Jesus offers us is so profound. This widow goes to this unjust judge looking for justice, looking for an answer to her needs. And she's unrelenting. She's committed. She knows what's right. She knows what's just. She knows what she deserves. 
And to the world, she appears powerless, weak, but she has faith in herself and in what she believes. She's not giving up in spite of the odds. And that faith in herself and in what's right and what's just fuels her to the point that she intimidates this powerful and influential man. This dishonest judge, he's unnerved by her persistence, by how unwavering she is in her belief. Jesus first told this parable as he's en route to Jerusalem. He's going there knowing he's going to face an unjust arrest, his brutal passion, his torturous crucifixion, and his glorious life-giving resurrection from the dead. It's going to be the ultimate and final showdown between good and evil. Jesus had told his followers and demonstrated to them all the power that faith in him has. And now he's wondering, what are they going to do with that gift of faith that he's given them? Especially when their world goes upside down. When the darkness appears to have consumed the light. Will they just recall all those events, all those miracles as a, as a distant memory? Or will they let that power of faith in him keep that light burning in the darkest of nights? Will they have faith and let go of the world that they knew and allow the power of his resurrection to recreate their worlds? What about us? The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has been given to us and entrusted to us as a precious gift of faith. It's something we were baptized into. It's something we consume in that body and blood of Jesus that we receive each and every week from this altar in the Eucharist. Jesus makes clear to us in the gospel that we don't have a a disinterested, distant God that we have to somehow manipulate into listening to us. Our loving Father wants to answer those whom he loves who call out to him in love. So we're not to deny all the bad things that are going on in the world or in our worlds or even in the church, things that can shake and frighten or disturb us. Just the opposite. We're supposed to trust in our just God who hears the cries of the poor and the suffering and put our prayers in alignment with them looking for justice. And we're not to fake it or pretend that we're not carrying troubles or burdens, or fears, or worries, imagining that because we have those things, that that somehow undermines our faith and our trust in him. Just the opposite. We're supposed to be unburdening ourselves of these things, knowing that we have a God who continues to work miracles in and with and through each of us. But that's a choice that we have to make. Think about it. There's nothing that says that those graduates on that graduation day are going to take that gift of being free from student debt and use it in a positive way. Mr. Smith hopes that that freedom is going to encourage someone to maybe take a lower paying job somewhere that's going to maybe help others who are underprivileged. Or now that they don't have to make a loan payment that maybe they'll give to a charity on a regular basis. But there's no guarantee that they're going to be that benevolent. Or worse, that they're not going to be reckless and maybe go out now and buy an outlandishly expensive car or something that's going to saddle themselves with a new unnecessary debt knowing that the one is gone. The generous benefactor simply offers that gift freely and hopes that they're going to recognize 
the love and the selflessness in that gesture. And that's going to somehow cause them to want to reciprocate, seeing the joy that comes from that. But that same thing is true with this gift of faith. Jesus has gone to hell and back, conquering evil, destroying sin and death, and promised that same victory is possible for each and every one of his followers. But we have to choose to activate that faith through our being here, despite the discouragements and doubts, and even being tired or weary, through our being persistent, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, as Paul says in that second reading, through our praying always without becoming weary. St. Pope John Paul II once said, there is no evil to be faced that Christ does not face with us. There is no enemy that Christ has not already conquered. There is no cross to bear that Christ has not already borne for us and does not bear with us now. And on the far side of every cross, we find the newness of life in the Holy Spirit, the new life which will reach its fulfillment in the resurrection. This is our faith. This is our witness before the world. So when the Son of Man returns... May he find our genuine, sincere witness to this tremendous gift of faith that we have been blessed with.